Jesus, we thank you so much for your word to us this morning. God, for uh, your loving care and your goodness. And no wonder you, you called it the, the gospel, the glad tidings. God, that, that indeed there is peace on earth and goodwill toward men. God, that, that you loved us. God, that you have loved us with an everlasting love and, and rescued us uh, with your own self. God, we thank you this morning. And the, what we pray this morning is that you would do in us exactly what you want done. That you would make us into exactly what you would have us to be. That your word would uh, accomplish the thing whereto you have sent it. And you said it wouldn't return to you void. God, in this morning, that is our confidence, God, that, that the work that you have begun in us, you're going to be faithful to complete it, Lord Jesus. And, and our, uh, our goal is to work with you in it, to, to surrender to you in it, to obey you in it, and to do the very things that you would have us to do. God, give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to receive this morning. God, as only you can do. In the name of Jesus, amen. Uh, go with me to Ezra 4. <clears throat> Whenever I read uh, Ezra and, and Nehemiah, it always makes me think of being in a difficult spot that you'd really rather not be in, but you really just kind of have to work with what you got. And... Uh, and of course, the the things that you read about in Ezra and Nehemiah are uh, running parallel to the the same kinds of things that we're dealing with today in the church. So, uh, of course, they've been carried away into Babylon, and now they're going back, and they are rebuilding the the temple, and uh, uh, because um, Cyrus, uh, uh, I think it was, had uh, had told them to to go ahead and build the temple again, and because uh, of course Cyrus is quite magnanimous, and if you want to do something, he'll be glad to let you do it. Different Cyrus, anyway. Um, in uh, uh, so in Ezra four, uh, they've in in three they laid the foundation. And of course, that's uh, the best place to start with any building, the foundation. And uh, once you've got that foundation, just like we talked about Friday night, there's no sense in making another one. You already got one. And uh, so, having this this foundation laid, then um, then of course the adversaries of of the work come in to to create trouble. Uh, and, I, and I love that the uh, uh, the, the governor is, is uh, uh, Zerubbabel, which means a stranger in Babylon, because of course someone that's going to be you know, leading God's people in this rebuilding of the walls and rebuilding of the temple would have to be a stranger to Babylon, would have to be a stranger to confusion, and and all those things. Um, but you know these men come and they say, "Hey, you know, we seek God just like you. Let us let's work with you and everything." And, and of course, they tell them no. And so then they took their little toys and went home and, and decided they were going to make trouble for them instead. 
Of course, they were going to make trouble for them in the first place. So they they did what uh, what uh, any sullen child would do and, and went to go tell on them. And so they, they wrote a letter to the king of Persia. Uh, so uh, in chapter or yeah chapter four verse eleven it says and this is the copy of the letter that was sent unto him even to Artaxerxes the king thy servants the men on this side of the river and at such a time. Be it known unto the king that the Jews which came up from thee to us are come unto Jerusalem, building the rebellious and the bad city, and have set up the walls thereof, and joined the foundation. Be it known now unto the king that if this city be builded, and the walls set up again, then they will not pay toll, tribute, or custom, and so thou shalt damage the revenue of the kings. Sounds like today, doesn't it? Like the church, the rebellious and bad city that that creates trouble for everybody and shoves their morality down our throat, and uh, of course we don't. But there are those who, you know, they don't help. You ever, you know, have somebody and over enthusiastically help, and you just kind of have to tell them, just sit down. You're not helping. <laughs> Nothing quite like that, but. So, of course, um, this is how the world sees New Jerusalem. This is how the world sees the church, the rebellious and bad city. Because we're, we're a problem because we're, we're bigoted and, uh, and, and that's right, I'm bigger than you. And, you know, I don't know, what is that? Bigot. Big what? You know? So, bigger brain than you? I don't know. But... Um, you know, it's, it's funny because the, the world will tell you that you're narrow-minded as if that should be an insult of some sort. Uh, and I always rather liked that. Like, well, narrow is the way. Straight is the gate. So narrow it is. You know, and, uh, yeah, so so they're, they're all fussing because this... this uh, these movers of sedition have, are building this city and, and saying how this is going to cause trouble for you because they're not going to they're not going to build your kingdom anymore. They're going to they're going to hang out in their walled city and do their thing. So he says now in 14 because we have maintenance from the king's palace, and it was not meet for us to see the king's dishonor. Therefore have we sent and certified the king that search may be made in the book of the records of thy fathers. So shalt thou find in the book of the records and know that this city is a rebellious city and hurtful unto kings and provinces and that they have moved sedition within the same of old time for which cause the city was destroyed. And we certified the king that if this city be built again and the walls thereof set up by this means thou shalt have no portion on this side of the river. I love how oily this letter is. It's just in gratiating and yeah yeah uh, it's uh i mean and of course you know if you are dealing with someone who's really full of themselves then what better to do than than you know grease the wheels a bit and talk about how wonderful they are and uh you know i mean these, this guy's a salesman he's he's like picking at the problem and he's telling you this is why you need to fix this problem because this is what's going to happen 
So, uh, um, so he says that you, he and he says, you know, you're not going to have any control on the side of the river if Jerusalem is built again. And uh, you know, the, the Bible says that uh, uh, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And uh, you, you know. You can look at, at modern history, and you can't deny that America has been exalted, and when we fell into the same thing that, that the Jews fell into. Well, we're better than everybody else, and look at us, and everybody wants to be us. You know, and there there is something, you know, for lack of a better word, there's something poisonous about success if you're not careful, and. Uh, and God warned uh, the children of Israel about it repeatedly in Deuteronomy. He said, now when you come into the land, and when you are blessed with all this stuff that I'm going to essentially just drop in your lap, you might have to kill a few giants on the way there, but when you get all this stuff that you didn't build, all these fields that you didn't plant, these, and all this stuff, beware that you forget about me. And it's easy to do that. The more successful, the more comfortable we become, whether it be as, as individuals or, or as a nation, it's easy to just rest on your laurels and, and be satisfied that, well, it's because I'm God's favorite and because he, he's, you know, he's just blessed me and, and I, I'm, I'm special. And God makes you feel that way. He really does. He treats you that way. But his expectation is that we understand that that it's not because of any kind of merit that, that we got those things, those blessings that he's given us. When you read the, the earlier Psalms, David talks about because of my righteousness and all this stuff, God did all these great things for me. And uh, the old, the, as you go on through the Psalms and, and, uh, and you read these Psalms where he's had more life experience, then he understands that actually... You know, I am a worm and no man, and God loves me. I couldn't explain why. And the older we get, the more, the longer we walk with God, the more we understand that. I remember when I came here uh, over 20 years ago. I remember looking around and thinking everybody was so perfect and everybody had it together. I, exactly. And uh, well, the, no, but the funny thing is, is you. People expect that from the church, and uh, and I even I really even had no frame of reference to to come up with that conclusion. That was just the conclusion I came up with when I was here, and I got to know people, and I realized not that they were a, a big mess, but that they're people like me, and they have issues just like me. Cynthia was talking to this guy this week, uh, who was disenfranchised by religion. And she said, hey, I grew up in a religious house. My, my family served God. But uh, my, my dad had this issue in his life that he would not let God touch. And he fixed all kinds of other stuff in our life. He took care of us. But this one thing, he would not let him touch. And it, and it was a poverty to him. And, and so it was really interesting because this, nobody had ever told this guy that before, that you could... You could be sincere and serve God and have an issue in your life. 
obviously it would work a lot better if you let God touch that thing and fix it because he'd like to. He's anxious to do that in our lives. Um, but people expect then that the church is going to be have all their duckies in a row. And, and so the church has learned to pretend. And so God is is working in his people to bring us to the place where we don't we feel no need to pretend. And and the the closer you draw to him, the more you recognize that all of any any merit that anybody sees in your life is because of him and not because of you. And uh you know, the more time you spend with somebody, the more you become like them. I and mean, Cynthia and I are always finishing each other's uh Sentences. You thought I was going to say sandwiches, but I didn't. And and uh, um, you know, she she always gets my jokes. She always knows what I'm going to say next. She knows what I'm thinking, and vice versa. And and that's what happens when you you walk with God. And you you get to know Him like Moses knew His ways, as opposed to just knowing His acts. Because you can know what God does. You can know what He did. But if you know what he would do, that's an entirely different thing. So, um, so they, they've they've sent this this really buttery letter to Artaxerxes, telling him that he needs to make this stop. Uh, in verse 17, it says, "Then sent the king an answer to Rehum the chancellor and the Shimshai the scribe, and to the rest of their companions that dwell in Samaria, and unto the rest beyond the river, peace." And at such a time. The letter which you sent unto us has been plainly read before me, and I commanded, and search has been made, and it is found that this city of old time has made insurrection against kings, and that rebellion and sedition have made therein, and there have been mighty kings also over Jerusalem, which have ruled over all countries beyond the river, and toll and tribute and custom was paid to them. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes to have some kingdom that would perhaps take over your own or be a threat to your own. Uh, you know, you, you can look no further than uh, the beginnings of uh, the Gospel of Matthew to see that, that, that Herod decided there there's no king of the Jews but me. And, and I'm not going to have some other king that, that's going to push me out of the way. And so, so these guys knew exactly where to pick at them. Like, hey, this is going to cause trouble for the kingdom, and and they're gonna they're gonna rebel against you, because when you, you know, when when you know that that you are the rightful authority in a situation, like children, for example, or you're like maybe you're the supervisor at work or the boss or whatever, and and they people just flout your authority. There's something that just to me it kind of makes my nostrils flare a little bit. And, and I just I kind of want to break something for a minute, uh, but then of course settle that down. But there's this this sense of this this king thinking I am the rightful ruler here, and nobody's going to mess with that. So uh, so he says in verse 21, give ye now commandment to cause these men to cease that this city be not builded, till another commandment should be given for me, which shall be never. Take heed now that you fail not to do this. Why should? <laughs> no. No. Sorry. That, that's not actually there. I added that. So if you're following along, you knew that. Now, when the copy, uh, see. Now, take heed now that you fail not to do this. For why should damage grow to the hurt of the kings? 
Now, when the copy of King Artaxerxes' letter was read before Rehum and Shimshai the scribe and their companions, they went up in haste to Jerusalem unto the Jews and made them to cease by force and power. And, the, and then ceased the work of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. And so it ceased unto the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So these guys came in and said, hey, you can't, um, you can't hold everybody up to your standards of morality. You can't tell everybody that, hey, you can't live like this. You can't do this. You can't do that. Um, and all that kind of thing. And, and that's what society is saying now. Uh, you know, there's, uh, um, you know, if you even raise an eyebrow against that, that, that homosexual spirit that is just taking over this nation, then people will mob you. And, uh, and it's, so it's an interesting thing to see how quickly that has changed. When, when I was a kid, like that was totally not okay. And people looked at you really weird. And uh, but you know when you when you go back into history, it's something that was that was prevalent, even celebrated in ancient Rome. And look what happened to Rome. And uh, and so it's interesting to see how how uh, societies can. Everybody knows that you you have to study history so that you don't repeat those mistakes. Everybody studies history and they repeat those mistakes anyway. And so uh, it's an interesting thing. But they so here comes this this threat then against the people of God. Hey, stop what you're doing. You don't you don't get to build this thing. You're done now. And it says that they cause them to cease by force and by power. So it's like I read that and I think, and they cause them to cease by uh, uh, legislation. You know what I mean? And uh, but uh, here in, in chapter five it says, then the prophets, Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Edo, prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, even unto them. Then rose up Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel and Yeshua the son of Josedak, and they began to build the house which is at Jerusalem, and with them were the prophets of God helping. So uh, go with me over to Haggai, chapter 1. I've been reading the Bible for quite a while before I realized that um, uh, all of these prophets actually fit somewhere chronologically within the uh, the his- historical stuff. And uh, so, yes, welcome back, Greg. But uh, it's really great to read those things alongside them like that and to, to get an idea of, of what's going on. Because it's great to read that. And so Haggai and Zechariah uh, prophesied to them, and then they started building again. But it's interesting to see what it says. So in Haggai 1, in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Josedek, the high priest. So the same guys we were just reading about. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. It's like, well... Now's not a good time for this because there's too much 
opposition. There's too much difficulty. This is just, I thought this was supposed to be like an easy thing. And so they're saying, well, this just must not be the right time. Because like, surely if God wanted me to do this, it would all be easy and skipping barefoot through the meadows and you know, dancing to, the, to a pan flute. But it's, it's not that. <laughs> Thankfully, yes. Nobody wants to see me do that. <laughs> Except maybe Cynthia. But uh, it says, Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and this house to lie waste? Now therefore saith the Lord, consider the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. And you know it's interesting because if you go back several hundred years, David wanted to build the house, and God, God said, "I don't need you to build me a house." Did I ever ask anybody to build me a house? And uh, and and then He says, "Actually, I'm going to build you a house, and then your son, your offspring, is going to build my house." So. Quite interesting because now God says, "Okay, so are you going to build your own stuff, and you're not you're not worried about me? You're not you're not focused on building in my kingdom. You're you're busy building your stuff. See, the difference being, David uh, he wasn't worried about uh, building his kingdom. He he had all that stuff was settled, and he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God made him king." And that, that God put him there. And if God hadn't put him there, he wouldn't be there. And God had given him a heart to, to, to be able to have that, that, play, that success and uh, to be in that place and to still do the right thing. And so here, he says, that is it, is it time for you to build your own stuff, to build your, your kingdom and, and, and not mine? Let my house lay waste? Consider your ways, and then, uh, and I like he explains this because that's a really, to me, that's a very powerful three words. Consider your ways. But you ever have somebody, you know, they uh, they ask you a question, and you can think of all kinds of answers, but you're not sure what what are you asking exactly? What 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 answer are you looking for? Because I could think of several things here. So he says, you've sown much and you bring in little. You eat and you have not enough. You drink, you are not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earns wages earns wages to put it in a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. So he said, are you, are you working and working and working to build your own thing? Are you working to build your own kingdom and it's not... It's not working. It's not. Um, you're not finding that sense of satisfaction that you thought you would find in in focusing on you, focusing on your life and the things that you were wanting to do. And and um, when when God blesses you with uh, any kind of blessing, any kind of sense of success, there is this sense of 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 joy that comes with it, and this the sense of uh, and it, sometimes God pushes you through something really difficult, and and on the other side of it comes all these blessings. And there's a sense of satisfaction in that because God gave you something to do, and and you reap the rewards of it. But but here He's talking about you've you know you've sown much and bring in little. And uh, for growing up in Kansas, I know nothing about farming, but 
especially without um, without a big fancy green thing to put the seeds in the ground, it seems like it would be an awful, awful lot of work to sow a big, huge field uh, with a horse or a donkey or whatever and a plow. And then to there's nothing like doing something really difficult and and takes tons and tons of effort and blood and sweat and tears and then it doesn't accomplish near what you thought it would. That's why I didn't go to the gym for years. It's like it's like I thought I could go twice and I would look like Dwayne Johnson, but it didn't work that way. You know, and it then it doesn't work that way. Dang it. But um but there comes this sense of frustration then with I put in all this effort and this is all I got back. And uh and and all these things you're talking about there being no satisfaction. You you sowed a lot, you didn't bring any you didn't bring near enough back for your efforts. Uh you drink and and you're not you're not filled with drink. And there is nothing like being really, really thirsty, say you're working outside all day and it's a million degrees like it gets around here, and somebody brings you one of those little like half-liter water bottles, and you're glad for it, but you're like, where's the rest of them? You know, you're like knocking everybody over the head that you're working with and taking their water too. So, and there's nothing quite like being thirsty to drive you to do something about it. And... And there's nothing more aggravating than feeling that driven and not being able to satisfy that need. And, and of course, um, you know, uh, you clothe you and there is none warm. Sometimes it's just too cold. But, uh, but he that earns wages, he that earns wages, earns wages to put it in a bag full of holes. And so, so he gives them this, this thing and, you know, and, I, and I've had God talk to me like this before. It's like, so, so you've, you're, you're earning wages to put it in a bag with holes. And, uh, and, and, um, if you've ever felt like that, then there's, you know that God is, is saying something to you in that. It's like, man, I, I understand that life's not always easy, but, uh, I can tell the difference between God blessing my life and Him not. And and this does not seem to be God blessing it. So he says here, he's like, I'm, I'm trying to get your attention with these things. And then he says, consider your ways. Verse 8, go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I'll take pleasure in it, and I'll be glorified, saith the Lord. He says, focus on me. Focus on building my kingdom. And he said that... Um, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things should be added to you. And I can tell you that when you put God's kingdom first, that is indeed what happens: is is He He takes care of you and He gives you the things that you need. Maybe not all the stuff you needed, or that you wanted rather, but everything that you needed. And uh, and the, sometimes we have these things in our life that we think, oh, I couldn't possibly do without this thing and if and if I really throw in all my chips with God he's not going to let me keep that thing and and I I've I've seen over and over again I've seen people come this close to 
to serving God and then deciding, well, I, I can't do without my thing. And, and I'm not going to have God take away my thing. It's not worth it. And, and yet, the great thing is, is once we get to that place, if, if He doesn't let us keep the thing, it's because He knows that the thing is destructive and He knows it's not good for us. And so, we, one of two things happens. He brings us to a place where we, we build an altar like Abraham did and we lay it down at his feet because he's more valuable to us than the thing. Or he takes away the desire for the thing because when you draw near to him, the thing doesn't seem like it's worth anything anymore. So, uh, so it's a precious thing then to, to really put God first. So he says, you looked for much and it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow on it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is waste, and you run every man to his own house. So he's just reiterating these same things. He's saying, I'm, I'm trying to talk to you here about, uh, I'm drying up your stuff because I want you to pay attention to what I'm saying to you about building my house. So he says, uh, therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought on the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and the new wine, and the oil, and upon that which the ground brings forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and all the labor of the, of the hands. So this is the same thing that, that God talked about um, when, he, when He gave the children of Israel the law. He said, if you, if you go your own ways and you do your own things, then I'll stop the rain. So you will see then that I, I'm talking to you about this thing. There's something amiss. Come talk to me about it. You know, and that's the great thing is because we all feel like, oh, if God was unhappy about something, it's the end of the world. And, he's, and, and, and if I go talk to him about it, it's going to result in uh, a, a beating to end all beatings. Uh, but what did he say in Isaiah? He said, come let us reason together. You know, reasoning together is an entirely different thing. And there's this glorious moment when your kids get old enough that you can reason with them versus just having to stick their nose in the corner or something. And you can sit down and talk with them about it. And you can ask them questions and they think their way through it, sort of. And <laughs> and, and then they get too old for that and then they... <laughs> and, and then they just kind of do their own thing. But uh, hopefully not. But no, he, so he says, uh, so he said he, in verse 11, he's talking about this same thing. He's like, so I, I stopped the rains. I stopped all the stuff because I want you to see what I'm saying. And, uh, uh, you know, there's always, there used to be this big thing about multitasking. And I don't think it's as popular as it used to be. But I read this study on it that they, they, measured people's cognitive ability to do more than one thing at a time. And trying to do more than one thing at a time reduces your mental capability to about the level of somebody who is stoned on marijuana. And and I have totally seen that. I, I've had people call me while I was in the middle of something really important and I try and keep working on it. And it but it's something that my mind is, is working on. It's not, not doing something with my hands necessarily. I'm still trying to do this, and I'm trying to carry a conversation, and it does not work. 
I don't know how many times Mike and I have like started a conversation in the office and one of us looks up from our computer after about half a minute. I was like, I'm sorry, I wasn't listening to anything you just said. What? <laughs> because you can't split your attention that, that well. So God knows that if you're, you know, if, if you're busy outside playing with your Tonka trucks or whatever, then He needs to get your attention before, uh, He can really talk. And, and as a parent, uh, I think we eventually hopefully come to that place where we realize, you know what, I need to get their attention first before I just start talking to them. Because kids teach you that. They'll, they'll tell you the whole thing they won't tell you ten times while you're not really listening, but you're kind of catching it in the back of your mind. So by the time you answer them, you're like, I know! I heard you already! And they look at you and they say, but you didn't answer me. Yeah. And so, a um, little insight into my life. But... Um, so, so he's talking here then about getting their attention, and and he and all he's wanting them to do is put him first, you know. Uh, and a small uh, a small request then uh, from the the God of the universe, just just put me first. That's all. That's all I'm asking you to do. Build my house, and of course it's it sounds that way when you say it right now, standing here in the nice, comfy church, but. For these guys who have somebody threatening them, you're going to stop building this this house. You're going to you're not going to build all this stuff. Then it's not so easy. Then you have to make a choice with okay, because it's easy then to feel like well even God's against me now because now it quit raining and now it's like I'm working and working and nothing's happening. So so he's getting their attention then. And there's and the great thing about this is is God sends them these prophets because. It, it seems to me by reading this that they kind of came to this place where everything ground to a halt and they were kind of confused as to why. It's like, well, why is this happening? And so God sent them a prophet that had the answer. And so that's, there is nothing like being lost or having no idea what to do and having somebody that knows what to do or knows where to go to tell you, well, this is what you do. Have you ever driven somewhere and your GPS just decides it's not going to cooperate and you realize, I have no idea where I am? It's like, I don't even know which way is up. And and then your GPS starts working again and spring returns to Narnia. You know, it's there's nothing like having direction from somebody that has the answer. And so God sends his people, the prophets, to tell them, well, here's... Here's the direction then. Here's here's your answer. Uh, in verse 12, and here's the turning point here. It says, Then Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua the son of Josedek, the high priest, and all the remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent them, and the people did fear before the Lord. So, uh, I like that. Because it goes right back to the thing that God told them in the in the in the law. You know, because uh, as you read through the prophets, like we've been doing, He keeps coming back to this thing of, yes, I gave you the commandments and all that stuff, but here's the thing I told you: obey my voice. And so, so He gave them He gave them a clear directive, and and they and it says they obeyed it, and. Uh, and as the Lord their God had sent him, they recognized this is God talking. 
and, and the people did fear before the Lord. And there's a great thing about this, this fear of the Lord. We've been talking about that a lot too, about being the principal part of wisdom, the very beginning of wisdom, being that, that fear of the Lord. But I didn't think we were supposed to, you wouldn't think we would be afraid of this entreating gentle God that says, hey, come let us reason together. But we understand that He's a Father and that He brings consequence when we, if we don't do things the way He would have us to do them. If we, if we persist in these things, because he, cause He'll talk to you before He does anything else. And, uh, and so this fear of the Lord is, is like that, that, that kind of healthy fear that children begin to develop of, I would really like to hit my brother in the head right now, but if I do, I am going to get similar pain dealt out to me, and that will not do. So, uh, so then your your head and your backside work in concert, and uh, in a good way this time, and you don't do that, and you avoid the concert. That's that's the kind of fear of, of the Lord that we're talking about. And then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And so that's an encouraging thing, because here they are, they've stopped this work under this threat of violence. And, um, and God says, hey, why did you stop? Why are you afraid of these guys? Because didn't I send you here to do this? And, uh, and so they, not, not, so far nothing has changed with the government at this point, with, with uh, the, the king, Artaxerxes, and all that. They just started building again. And, and there's nothing like working and looking over your shoulder just waiting for the trouble that you know is coming. But God says, I'm with you. And so they're obeying the voice of the prophet here and, and obeying what God told them to do. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did the work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, in the four and twentieth day of the sixth month, the second year of Darius king. So, so then they, they went. And you would think that as they started building then, that, that now, the, now the message ends happily ever after. Actually, then the uh, it, it reads like a, like Brother Andrew's book where the the communists would send in people into the church and they'd take down names and all that stuff because then they came back and they said who so who's doing this who who's who's in charge here there, there's nothing like somebody showing up and saying who's in charge here and you know you're the one in charge <laughs> like because typically if they ask that they're probably not happy about something and uh, so. But they, but they did the thing. They built the wall. They built the temple. And they did the things that, that God said. And God told them, and as you read the rest of Haggai, that, uh, and of course he's talking about Christ, but he said that the, the glory of this latter house is going to be greater than the, the glory of the first house. And it didn't look like it. Because when they, when they built this temple, it wasn't nearly so big and grand and as impressive as the one that Solomon made. And so he's talking about Christ and the, the glory of this latter house of, of Christ in you, the hope of glory, the, the church growing up into the head and into this, this unity that, that, that 
that the church is telling people is never going to happen, but God said it would happen. That, and then the world could really see him. And that, indeed, is, is more glorious than a really impressive building. So, so it's an encouraging thing because we, we come to these places where, um, you know, the, I mean, to me, this message is just full of assurance because uh, how often do we get in this place where we feel like we're off in left field and feel like, well, God's not happy because I'm not doing something. I just don't know what it is. And, and he tells us here, it's like, I will get your attention and I will tell you. And, and I will, I'll, I'll get your attention to where you come and ask me. And then uh, if you're still not getting it, I will send the prophets to tell you what you need to do now. And, so, and that's what God does, is he gives us that direction and, and, and gives us a way to move forward. And uh, so, I, but they, they had to do the, the things that God called them to do in the middle of a time that it was not popular and that, and that nobody was, the people around them were not happy about what they were doing. And, uh, and so the, the church has struggled to become more and more palatable to the world and uh, more, and more like you. I think I said this last week. Um, there's, there's so much stuff in Christianity now that is like those designer imposter colognes and perfumes. Like, if you like this, you're going to love this. It's like, if you love church, but you don't like conviction, you're going to love this. You know? And uh, so, so God's raising up a people then to, to do the things that, that He would have us to do. And the, and the thing that He asks of His people is to, to put Him first because we... We need the wall built. We need the temple built again, and and it's not something that we can do by um, pulling up our bootstraps and putting on our little kerchief. We're, we're not going to be like uh, uh, Rosie the Riveter and get this done. But what we're going to do is is surrender to God and obey His voice and and do the things that He has us to do. And and all He really needs is somebody to be willing to do what He wants us to do. And that's what we want. So, Jesus, we thank you for your word, for your faithfulness and goodness to us. And, God, we want to be those people uh, that that build your wall, that build your temple. God, we want to be those people who who build with the hammer in one hand and the sword in the other. God, to to do the things that you would have us to do. God, and to, to rescue the perishing around us. God, and to, um, to be that wall by night uh, to the... Uh, to the little ones, God, to the to the young, Lord, and the weak, Jesus. Those are the things that we want in our life. And I just I pray, God, that you would do these things in us, God. We're not sufficient of these things ourselves, God, but we know that you are. Uh, you never grow weary. You never grow tired. You are the everlasting God, and and our confidence is in you, and in you doing these things in us as only you can. In your name, we pray. Amen, amen.